0: Hello all, welcome to the Hope Without Sight podcast with your hosts, Sailor Cooper and Tyler Evans. The topic of this podcast will consist of many stories of people from various backgrounds and experiences who have had many challenges and have been able to successfully overcome
1: them and rise to the top. So sit back and relax as we give you the best of these diverse stories.
0: Because if you are feeling down and out, like you cannot make it in the world, then this podcast is the right one for you. Because if my guests can make it, so can you. Happy listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hope Without Sight with your host, Sailor Cooper. And this is Tyler Evans. This is a podcast where we feature... Stories of people who had challenges in life and who've overcome them to provide inspiration and hope. On this episode, we have a very special lady who we met at Speaker's Playhouse and at Speaker's Playhouse Live. She is an entrepreneur, a speaker, a coach, but most importantly, a mental health advocate, Because we need people like this in this world. We need to get rid of the stigma of mental health. Because mental health can be treated just as easy as any other health condition. She's been struggling with mental health since she was 16 years old. Not feeling worthy of herself. Having negative self-talk. But despite this, she has come out on top. And it's helping others. Please welcome Julie McLean. Julie, thank you for being on help with outside today.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sailor and Tyler. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about this. It's such an important subject.
0: It is. because uh, um I don't I don't have chronic mental health issues myself, but um sadly my sister does. But the good news is she's getting it under control as well. And you know, that's why I'm glad you're here, because, again, like I said, we don't need to be ashamed about mental health.
2: No, not at all. As a matter of fact, just because you don't have chronic mental health issues doesn't mean you don't have mental health issues. We all have to deal with mental health. Absolutely. But only but only some of us deal with mental illness. Mental, so, yeah. So there's, there's exactly. a big differentiation between the two of them, and there's an equal stigma on both sides.
0: Yeah, mental health and mental illness. The those terms are different because mm-hmm. mental health, such as normal anxiety, uh, you know, due to environmental changes, you know, events that happen, it's, it's quite normal. You can just manage it. But a mental illness is a disease that's disrupting your daily life significantly. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where uh, we need to shed more light on and let people know that it's okay.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, You know, I've been dealing with mental illness for almost 40 years. And it's a daily struggle for me. Usually not a day that goes by that I'm not thinking about not being on this earth. And I had to learn how to cope with that and deal with that and make sure that I remained on this earth because there were multiple times where I couldn't cope and I couldn't deal with it. And I wanted to take my own life.
0: That's right. And- um, you, you mentioned in your bio, your first attempt, even wanting to take your life uh, you even wanted to, for a children commit suicide since 16. And I'm I'm glad you're still here.
2: Well, thank you. And I wanna I wanna offer you um some knowledge, if I may. We don't talk about committing suicide, we talk about dying by suicide. It's they they've changed the terminology for some reason, and it's a more succinct. Um, way to describe what people are doing so everybody out there when you're talking about somebody dying and they've taken their own life they've died by suicide not committed
0: suicide because it makes right. sense you do die it, you
1: know yeah but it's still the same thing it
2: it is but i think die by suicide is you know you, you commit acts I'm you know Fevery and stuff you're committing, but you're dying by suicide. So, so that, that's, that's where the differentiation comes through.
0: Right. Exactly.
2: So what, what do you want to know about suicide and mental health? I can tell you my whole story if you want. Sure. Uh, Give you some statistics if you want.
0: Let's start out. (laughs) Let's start out with you. Whole story and yeah, indeed, exactly. if you can give Absolutely. us some statistics and sure, some, I can do and that and just some helpful advice to our audience who's who's in crisis because again, we this this this, this does not need to be swept under the rug. Right. It can be it can be very difficult to talk about suicide because you know, uh, a loved one may think that. Uh, someone's going to actually do it if they ask the hard questions, but I've been told it may save, it may save a person's life. It it may.
2: Um, So like you said, I was 16. The first time I thought about taking my own life and I was fortunate that I was able to overcome that. And before it happened, I thought about my family and said, okay, no, I can't do this. And then when I was 23, I had a three-year-old son and I came really close. I took a bottle of pills and a bottle of alcohol and put them all together. And it, I was really close, but then I realized, you know, what am I doing? I have a three-year-old. I need to be able to raise him and, and watch him become the man that he's become today. And then my most recent attempt was in 2019, I was in a lot of physical pain. I was in a lot of emotional pain. And my husband came home one day and I was crying and I couldn't stop crying. And I told him that I was going to leave him. And the way our relationship is, that was not an acceptable answer for him. Right. And so he asked me the three most important questions in my life. And the first one was, are you okay? Okay. And all I did was shake my head, referring to no, I was not okay. If I had said yes, I was okay, he would have pushed the subject because he knew I was not okay. And then he asked me if I wanted to hurt myself. And again, I nodded my head with affirmation. Yes, I wanted to hurt myself. And then the most important question was, do you have a plan? And people don't think about that because it's one thing if you're thinking about hurting yourself it's another thing if you have a
0: right exactly
2: important that you know if if your plan is imminent the person that is speaking to you needs to make sure that they're getting you the help that you need For and that's sure. exactly what my husband did he he Good. never left my side that night he got me in to see a therapist the next day And that therapist sat for 45 minutes asking me if I wanted help. And all I could do was nod my head. I physically couldn't speak because I was so deep into that depression and so deep into that mindset. And she told me that she can't accept me just nodding my head saying I wanted help. I had to physically say it, which it's crazy that... I would have to physically say I needed help. She even said that, you know, if I was having a heart attack, she wouldn't have to ask me if I needed help. She would have just called 911. But because it was a mental health crisis, I needed to affirm that I need, I wanted help. So finally, Mm -hmm. after 45 minutes, I was able to get the word yes out of my mouth. And she hooked me up with a local facility and got me into... A program that was an intensive outpatient program. I was terrified to go into an inpatient program. I had checked myself into a hospital after, you know, some trauma a while back. And it was the most horrific five days of my life. And I couldn't wait to get out. You know, I, I was willing to say and do anything to get out of that situation because it was so bad. But I got into this intensive outpatient program. And for the first three days, I looked down. I had long bangs, so my bangs covered my face. I had no idea what anybody looked like, and nobody had any idea what I looked like or sounded like because I wouldn't talk. Wow. But I sat and I listened. I listened to all the other people in the room who came from all different walks of life, all different (laughs) ethnicities, all different religions, talking about their challenges and so finally after three days i thought you know what maybe i should start doing this and i did i started talking and it felt good i felt better because i was talking about it
0: yes talk saves lives
2: oh my god could it ever and, and talk did save my life so i this was in may of 2019 And I had a big conference to go to in May of 2019. And I was scared to death. I wasn't going to go, but it was important. So I talked to my friends who I knew were going to the conference as well. And I said to them, listen, this is what happened to me. This is what I'm going through. I am scared to death to go to this conference and I need your help. If you see me overwhelmed or just not looking good, I need you to take me by the hand and just walk me away from whatever situation I'm in. And they were so grateful that I told them because they just wanted to help. And I mean, being scared to death to talk to people about my own mental health, it was like these people are just loving on me and wanting to do everything they can to make sure that I was okay.
0: Wow, now let's go back briefly. Mm-hmm. What caused you to have a physical and emotional pain in 2019? If you don't mind me asking? Oh
2: no, I don't mind telling you at all. Um, first of all, it was physical. So, I was misdiagnosed as a child with an illness that I was getting treatment for, which deteriorated my joints. So, my knees and my back had deterioration. So, I've recently had two knee surgeries. I had both my knees replaced recently. So, I don't have pain from that anymore. And I'm getting treatment for my back. So, I don't have pain from that anymore. And then, you know, starting. beginning of the year in 2019 um i was i was competing with my speaking and something happened that i could not compete anymore because i needed to support my husband with something which was fine i you know but it still weighed heavy on me and then Um. something else happened that really threw me for a loop that i don't want to get into i've put that all behind me now um So so that that got me. I went to a a long conference. That was a day too long. I, I, I do get terrible anxiety. And when I'm around people, I don't know. It's it's really tough for me. Sometimes I'd rather be on a stage talking to people than one on one talking to people. And then it just all culminated in the end of April with a very dear friend of mine passing away.
0: Understand And it was away, just
2: the icing on the cake. It was just one thing after another, after another, after another that mentally weighed me down. And I just, I couldn't cope with it anymore. You know, knowing that I'm dealing yeah. with mental health issues all my life, you know, this was just too much and too short of a period of time and didn't give me the opportunity to be able to deal with it um, appropriately. And so that all led to my crisis In may of
0: twenty, it just all added up.
2: It did just all added up. And that, that's how it could happen. Sometimes. Sometimes it could be, you know, something, one thing after another, after another and something it could be right now. Um, But you don't have to have a mental illness to contemplate taking your own life. I had a cousin who did not have a mental illness, but he had one thing after another, after another happening to him. And in that split second, he made the decision that he didn't want to be here anymore. And he's not, he is. Overwhelmed. He, yes. And, yeah. and he did take his own life. And it was a horrible experience for my entire family. And, you know, I, It just goes to show you never know what's going on in somebody's life, and you never know what somebody's feeling. You know, in in hindsight, I learned that there were a couple of things going on in his life. Um, He was a firefighter, and he was on he was dealing with a house fire that day, which is very traumatic. Oh yeah, firefighters. Firefighters have it really tough. Yeah, he knows.
0: It's a dangerous job, especially when they when they. Going and fight those Mm -hmm. fires, and they they find, yeah. Unfortunately, and I have a family
2: full of them. My my son was a firefighter. My cousin who passed was a firefighter. My other cousin was a firefighter, and I currently have three nephews in the fire department, and one of them actually works for the FDNY, the New York Fire Department. So he's an EMT in the fire department now, but he also volunteers as a firefighter in New Jersey. So I got a whole house full of them, well, whole family full of them. But but going back to that, you know, he he was at this fire and firefighters usually sit and debrief afterwards because their adrenaline is flowing and you know they have to calm down. Oh yeah. And he decided not to stay at that debrief. And his girlfriend broke up with him and something else was happening. And, and another thing was happening and all of this just culminated one day into saying, I can't deal with this.
0: And, and, he and,
2: and he took his life. It, it was heartbreaking. It still is heartbreaking for my entire family. Yeah. And then for me to go and have my crisis in 2020 or 2019, before I really, hey, but
0: you. <laughs> before,
2: oh, wait, I got even a better one for that. Yeah. So, so, for me to take my life in 2019 would have been horrific for my family. Um, and, and that's what made me realize I have to do something to work on this. So in 2020, I had committed myself for the first three months of the year to isolate myself and teach myself how I read a book. Talk and How to Change It by Shad Helmsetter. Book changed my life, absolutely changed my life, realizing that I had all this negative self talk in me from growing up, that I needed to change that. And then I taught myself how to meditate so I can calm my mind. I taught myself affirmations that picked me up. You know, I am affirmations. So instead of telling yeah. myself that, Oh, I'm a horrible person, or I'm not good enough. I, I, the I am, I am good enough. I am a fantastic person. So I did all of that, and I, I dabbled into aromatherapy and crystal healing therapy, and all of that put together really helped me learn what I had to do to try and strengthen my mental health from what it was, and then COVID hit,
0: <laughs> and so. When when COVID when COVID affected so many others and so many others even died by suicide with COVID, you know it mm-hmm. it did the opposite to you. It helped it you did,
2: I, and and honestly, if I didn't spend those three months beforehand working, I used to say I was fixing myself, and everybody, no, you are not fixing yourself. Yeah, I was fixing myself. If I hadn't done through COVID. Right. I, I don't yeah. know, but <clears throat> plus I spent that time. I made it through COVID, and I was able to strengthen myself through COVID because I wasn't going out, and and I had it scared the bejesus out of me because I was scared for my mom. I was scared for my aunt. I was scared for my mother-in-law. You know, I wanted to make sure that all my family was healthy. I had friends who passed from COVID, so that was really scary, and. I'm just glad that I took the time beforehand to teach myself how to all these coping mechanisms so that I could get through it. You know, cause when I, when I sit and I look back and, and I look at what's going on in the world, you know, 2020, they did the national Alliance on mental health did a study and found that one in five people, Are having severe mental health crises every year. One in five. After COVID? Yeah, they did this study during COVID. So so that's a huge number when you think about it, one in five. And then I'm sitting here pulling up my numbers. (laughs) So one in five did that. And one in 20. So, one in five experienced mental illness, one in 20 experienced serious mental illness, and then one in 15 experienced both substance use disorder and mental illness. And over 12 million people had serious thoughts of suicide.
0: Wow, that's 12 million people.
2: Yeah. Um, And then at the time, you got to figure we're in COVID. So, over seven, almost eighteen million people had to put off getting help for their mental illness because of COVID.
0: No, and that's where the lockdowns. Yep, didn't that's help because people really- pe- people couldn't seek help when they needed it. And no, I'm 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 glad these days are over, and I hope 2020 is never
1: ever repeated again.
3: Oh, that's I know. right. I know. And,
1: well, this is like a one. Once in a century pandemic. The last pandemic was the Spanish flu, which was much worse than COVID. Way worse. Yes.
2: Yes. Well, and and it was way worse because they don't have the, they didn't have the technology back then. No. We they have didn't. technology now that helps us deal with these types of things and and quickly. Oh yeah. You
1: know,
2: so that's that's really the important part is that we have all of these resources now. And, and, That's right. And mental health don't just affect one person. They don't affect just no. affect the person who is dealing with those illnesses. You know, caregivers spend an average of 32 hours a week trying to help their loved ones. Hold on a second. And,
0: and also people overrated even though there was a technology during COVID, unlike the Spanish flu, people overrated this pandemic. And that was not good. There was no civility in the in this country, in the United States of America. There was there was hate, racism, including the George Floyd incident, and we had to treat each other with kindness, and it's not good. I mean, I question if we're still the best country on this planet, because we don't you don't hear about this stuff in other countries. Oh <gasps> come on.
1: Well, yeah
2: I, I mean, I would, I'm sure that all affects everybody's mental health as well.
1: I mean, I would say that um, this is still the greatest in the world because another country 90 percent of the world is not free.
0: Mm-hmm. but, you, do, but, but not. you don't but you don't hear about all this racism and stuff in other mm, countries right actually,
1: nope. you Do you actually do. And it's way worse.
0: The media, way, way come worse.
1: on. No, I mean...
0: I mean no, we, I don't... We,
1: I believe, I believe we, we're the best in the world, period. I mean, hands down. If, if
0: if you know, please forgive me if I'm going on a rant here. Um, yeah. We have to have more understanding and empathy in this country and in the world. And that's what's causing people to have mental health crises and take in and, and take their life. Can't you all agree? You know, I, going yeah. back to the, the the numbers
2: on mental health, depression is the yeah. leading cause, cause of disability worldwide. And and none of these subjects help anybody's depression. Um, no 21 percent of people experiencing homelessness is because they have a serious mental illness. We're failing. Are our people because we're treating them like like they're not human? But right. they have some people have mental health issues, and that's what causes their homelessness. Um, and, and mental health issue it, mental health can be anxiety, depression, PTSD, OCD, ADHD, all of the acronyms, oh, <laughs> including yeah. substance abuse. You know, a, a lot of times your your mental health is. You know, substance abuse contributes to poor mental health because Absolutely. you don't know how to cope because you, know, when, when, because- when you have a mental health. You, you want. Things like alcohol and pills and, and marijuana in some cases to to be able to relax your mind and relax and, and escape and I don't like, escape from your reality.
0: And I don't like when people use alcohol as crutch. It's not good. It's not no. good. It's, it's not. Me, but I, I, like I cocaine mean, cocaine heroin or worse. I know. I know. I know some people that do that. I won't. I'm not going to mention it on the podcast, but that needs to stop.
1: You know, right. well, would,
2: using drugs as a crutch for mental health has to stop. I have a family member. Who is an addict, and because yeah. she doesn't know how to deal with her mental health, so so it, it it's a crisis. It's all part of the crisis.
0: Yes, it is. And yeah, I I just hope all this stuff slows down and we get back to normal treating of each other with kindness and respect and all of that. And mm-hmm. um, and so <clears throat> now. Well, before I jump forward, um, I know mental health can contribute to, uh, from PTSD. Did you ever have, I know you said you had trauma in your life before, yep. right?
2: Yep. Uh, I am diagnosed with clinical depression. I have an anxiety disorder and I have PTSD. And I'm working through all of that and and changing my mindset to saying that I am valuable as a person as opposed to I am not valuable as a person has helped my PTSD immensely. And and I just want to say out there that PTSD is is not just something that military experiences. We all experience trauma and PTSD is caused by trauma.
1: Yes, it is. It can be caused by all sorts of trauma.
2: Exactly. Firefighters, when they're fighting a fire. I know my son has has watched somebody jump out of a window during a fire and and die. And that affects him greatly. I know police officers who are, you know, involved in hostage situations. I I have a family member who is a member of a SWAT team. Yes, he deals with that all the time, too. But even when you look at you and I, Individually, if you've witnessed a horrific car accident, then that's trauma. If you've, you know, in some ways, the two of you deal with trauma every day because of the loss of your sight.
0: Yeah, we, I mean, we may we may not with. we may not realize it in like in our subconscious mind, but mm-hmm. right, yeah, and uh,
1: also, I was going to say, I actually don't view my loss of sight as bad. I think it's actually really cool because I get to see the world differently than yep. some because the way I view it is I see with my heart, not my eyes. In fact, if I am if I may, I point you to 2 Corinthians 5 where it says we live by faith, not by sight. So there you go. And so yep. the way I see it is being blind is actually an advantage for me because it enhances my faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Well so and, and it's fantastic and to thing.
2: hear that you feel that way. Exactly. So and many, I used to be I used no to be jealous party. of
1: I used to be jealous of people who were sighted at one point in my life because I'm like, I can't drive. Well, who knows? That might be changing in the future.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: know. It might. Who knows? I may live to see the day where blind people are driving. Because they can already read and write. They can already, you know, do all sorts of, you know, wonderful tasks that you can do Mm -hmm. because they have assistive technology. They have Braille, which is very important to learn. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, in blind people, their brains work the same way as a sighted person. Yes, they do. Except the part of the brain, the exhibital lobe that is responsible for vision is responsible for touch instead Yep, and I actually learned that in psychology when I was taking it, and they talked about Braille in psychology class. I'm like, wow, this is cool.
2: I- I'm sure your other senses are heightened. Yes, they are. Yeah, yes, they,
1: they are. are. They, yes. Well, they're we use them a lot more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now I do have light perception, you know, which is really nice. So I can see light and dark. So that's good.
0: I okay. could see. A, I could see a little bit in my right eye, but my left eye is just yeah. light as well. And also another issue I want to blame on mental health. And I talked about this at Speakers Playhouse Live. I know you were there, even though my voice wasn't the best, but I gave it my best shot. I was sick that day. Um Fatherlessness. Oh, my God. Those narcissistic men who don't care and don't give a damn about their families and wives. I'm sorry. That does not fly with me. My... My dumbass father, who was not, who did not want my mother to be pregnant with me and my sister, he—he's a—he's a a piece of garbage, you know. And you know what? The jokes on him because you are an amazing man. Thank you. And it just aggravates me and disturbs me that fathers don't step up. And divorce rates need to go down. Enough is enough, and this stuff needs to change. You know what? I want to say to all these men out there right now, you don't want to become a father and step up. And you know what?'t don't, don't conceive. Don't conceive. That, that's all there is to it. And because right. <laughs> studies do show, Julie, I know I'm sure you can provide a statistic. People, children who have both parents and the household definitely, definitely do way better than children who don't. I mean, I did have other, like, father figures in my life. I did have a, I did have a stepfather. I mean, he's still kind of in my life. I have a new stepfather. My mom just remarried, which is nice, but uh, fatherlessness needs to change, and Tyler, you you can you can attest to that too. You you have some examples, right?
1: Well, my niece. Um,
0: yeah, I was, she, I was pointing.
1: To that. Um, she doesn't really have her father around all that much because he's dealing with his own issues. He's dealing with uh, drug addiction, I believe, and and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna. You know, bash him because it's just no.
0: I, I maybe um, should. I don't know. He he needs to step up, Julie. Well, would she bash of course him he does. Or no,
2: you know, uh, every situation is different, and that's right. I I would not make any comment on no any father whether or not they're being part of their child's life or not. I know my son has an adopted child, and his mother and my son have now split and the child doesn't want to have anything to do with him.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, know, it's, so <laughs> It's just, <laughs> it's just upsetting that it this is. stuff happens. That, yeah. That's all. That's, that's my only point, you know, yeah. it's just, it's it really upsetting. And, and because this contributes to, you know, life, a, a host of lifelong mental health complications and even suicide because, um, children don't feel like they're they're worthy uh, they they don't have good self-esteem and it's and that shellish is just, just not good. That I'm just bringing up a point. That's all I'm bringing up.
2: That's okay. Um what I want to share with you guys though is some of the common warning signs of a crisis. If if I can. Yes. So and and this is according to a study done by the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Um, feeling sad or withdrawn for more than two weeks. Um, Seriously trying to kill oneself or making plans to do so, like I had said, having a plan is imminent. Um, severe, out-of-control, risk-taking behaviors. If if somebody's afraid of their own shadow and they decide that, oh, I'm going to go skydiving now, uh, you might want to talk to them about that. But skydiving is a safe sport. I just have to say that because...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. (laughs)
2: Um, A sudden overwhelming fear for no reason. Um, Not eating, vomiting, using laxatives to lose weight or significant weight loss. uh, That's, you know, that's uh, an eating disorder and eating disorders are also mental health situations.
0: Those can be warning signs, yes, even though you may not recognize it right away.
2: Yep, hearing or believing things aren't real, um, using drugs and alcohol, drastic changes in mood behavior, sleep habits, um, difficulty concentrating, and worrying, or fears that get in the way of daily activities. These are all signs that somebody is having some challenges. You know, so so let's start conversations with these people. You know, tell them you know that you're worried about them and you'd like to talk or ask them, is something going on that I might be able to help with and find a solution for with you? Um, offer support, um, get them help if they need it. And m- more importantly, just be a friend.
0: Oh yeah. Sometimes,
2: sometimes to help someone is to just sit next to them and not speak and know they're there. Um, When when with my crisis, my husband had to go away and I needed somebody to be there with me. And I had a very good friend who came and sat on a chair in my living room while I laid on the couch in a catasonic state because she loved me so much that she wanted to make sure that I was okay. That's okay. These these are important things to do when you see somebody or you think somebody might be in crisis and and starting these conversations is the only way we're going to end the stigma of mental health and mental illness because you know we should be talking everybody has to deal with it so why aren't we talking about it yeah. a lot of people think that meant when we talk about oh i need a mental health day it's a manny and a petty and a massage and stuff like that um no it's not all that I know I used to take all of my sick days in the beginning of the year because of the weather. I used to live up north. So it was gray and dreary and gloomy and, and I was depressed. So my mental health day was literally to get my mind together. Um, but, but I wanna start these conversations because if we start these conversations and we end the stigma, naturally the rates of suicide will decrease because people will be more inclined to get help, ask for help. Asking for help is the biggest thing. Um, also, people will be more inclined to notice what's going on with the people around them. We, we don't do enough of that. We don't notice enough of the things that are going on around us. And there's so much help out there for people. Um, if you're thinking about suicide, please pick up the phone, you know, or, or dial on your phone. All you have to do is call or text 988.
0: Yes, that's 988.
2: The, that's the suicide prevention lifeline. If you don't want to, if you think, well, I'm not that bad off. And you just want somebody to talk to most of the localities around NAMI, which is the national Alliance of mental illness is a, a national program. Like each location, each this big city has their own branch. So for me here in Jacksonville, I have a NAMI branch that they help coordinate um, therapy and can give you um, direction on where to go. Uh, they also help schools and families deal with mental health challenges. So, so I want to put those resources out there so that people know that they're not alone and there is help out there even if you want it to be enough not ready to talk to family and friends yet you can reach out to people and be anonymous and sometimes it's easier to talk to somebody you don't know than somebody you do know
1: you know you know it's amazing um you know i grew up with my mom like she would just the her hug just was the best feeling I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> yes. And I'm telling you right now, like studies have shown, I learned this in sociology class when I was at a junior college. Studies have shown that without touch, people can die. Yes. Yes. And not only that, they can be mal they can be malnourished of the mental health they need. Because there is a chemical in the brain that is activated upon touch, and it's oxytocin, and it plays a very important role in mental development. You know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: it's it's just yeah, amazing and- how like touch, just touch when you hug, whenever you just do whatever. Yeah, it just it's just amazing, especially as a baby, as an infant, you know, babies need constant touch. Yes, because without it, they either underdevelop and they don't develop well and they may have um damage to their brain due to underdeveloped oxytocin or they could die mm-hmm. crazy exactly and you know every
2: i think every animal was born yeah. to need touch i mean when you look even in you know the animal kingdom y- you you see how they all have to touch each other i yeah i, I get that
1: it's amazing yeah. like it's just amazing how like we were designed we were designed to to feel to love to to just have like touch in a sense is a ministry to a point. Yes, yes it is. It really like life itself is a ministry. That's how I view it. Oh you yeah. Know? And but- I truly believe that what we are doing you know you know spreading hope is a ministry. Because I always say to, to, to like a lot of my guests, um, our guests that hope doesn't disappoint because, you know, I, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer. That's what I believe that hope does not disappoint because hope is a person and it's Jesus Christ. That's what I believe.
0: Yeah. And yeah. you know? I want to stop you real quick. Um, I want to, I think we should play a snippet of a song. Because it speaks to what we're talking about. I'm gonna share audio. I hope you okay. can hear this. But this is, it's okay. To not to be okay. tasks, channel, lay people. Mental health herself. Hope y'all can hear this. Enter, on, Maybe hear it. it's
3: all just in your head. Feeling <laughs> like you're trapped in your own skin. And now your body's frozen broken down you've got nothing left when you're high on emotion and you're losing your focus and you feel too exhausted late to pray don't get lost in the moment or give up when you're close it's all you need is somebody to say it's okay not to feel okay An illusion, and later you're secluded, thinking you'll never get your chance. Feeling like you got no solution, it's only because you're human, no control, it's out of your hands. You're high. It's okay not to feel okay It's
1: okay not to be okay When you're down and you feel ashamed Keeps the lake
2: keyboard for the
3: okay button It's okay not to be okay When you're high on emotion And you're losing your focus And you feel too exhausted to pray don't get lost in the moment or give up when you're closest, all you need is somebody to say, it's okay not to feel okay.
1: Play left. Wow,
0: those
1: those lyrics are powerful.
2: that's amazing. <laughs> what? What?
1: And I love her. I love her.
2: And, well, and, so and if you analyzed. don't know, Demi Lovato suffers Pitching, from bipolar Greenberry disorder.
1: Men, and I had yeah. no idea. I didn't know that. Yep. It,
0: yeah. And so, tell me, what do y'all? How would y'all analyze these lyrics? What's the message behind? Because C- mine is well. You need to speak up. It's okay if you're not okay. Don't feel mm-hmm. don't feel ashamed because you afraid people are going to judge you, and they right. you might, and others may not.
1: Well, the way I see it is, <clears throat> you know, it's okay to cry if you need to, and I just I want to be there for those who just need to cry. And that's it. Let's say they just need to cry and get it all out, and that's okay. Because the way the way the way life should be is we we must have compassion for one another. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to cry too. Um, it, but it does mean to have sympathy. In other words, you just yeah. you know you you know some people have this idea. Oh, I know how you feel. Uh, no, you don't, you don't really know how someone feels unless you're there, but, you know, people say, Oh, I know how you feel without really meaning it. They'll just say, I know how you feel and that's it. And I'll just leave it at that. But the way and I most- see it is the way, the way I see it is no, what you should say is I don't exactly know how you feel, but I'm going to at least be there for you.
2: Yep. absolutely. How about that?
1: Wouldn't that I, be a lot better than just saying "I know how you feel" and just leave it at that? Yeah, I mean, or I have an idea cold? of
2: how you feel. You know, it's uh, not you don't feel unless you're that person. You don't feel the same way.
1: No, you and, don't.
0: And, so, yeah, Tyler. Sorry if I if I uh, interrupted you with the physical touch. Oh. I want to go back to there oh, no briefly. At but you um, really good. <laughs> um, I agree. Physical touch is important because it. Gives you value, especially someone that can't see. It uh, lets them know that they care. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, it isn't just that. Everyone needs touch. Without yeah. it, without it, there's no. No. You can't survive without touch. You just can't. Yeah. It's not possible. And, and I mean, especially I, never,
0: as, like, I, never, I, I never, I never, I never, I never item I recommend is setting appropriate boundaries for those who, or just very judgmental and don't want to understand the situation. If you need to back away, just back away, you know?
1: Well, not only that, I would set boundaries for pretty much all relationships because there is a right as well as an inappropriate uh, relationship. You know, like let's say someone is, I don't know, a student and they're, I don't know, let's just say they're, they're getting too involved in their teacher romantically or something. That's not or right. Something no. along the line. I mean, I could understand. Let's say I don't know. Let's say that teacher decides to leave and no longer be a teacher for um, um, for the conflict of interest. Then, if the student were to say uh, uh, pursue something like that, perhaps it would be appropriate because they're no longer in that teacher student setting.
0: And if and, and as long as they're not a minor.
1: In right, that's people, what I mean. Let's yeah. say they're both adults. They're both old adult, not older adults. And then maybe say they're both in their twenties or something. They happen to be in their twenties. It still wouldn't be a good idea for a teacher and a student to pursue like any kind of relationship because it's a conflict of interest between the student and the teacher, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, some people may beg to differ. I don't know. As long as they're as long as they're adults and hey, okay. I don't know. So, oh, yeah, I, that could be an example of a boundary. <laughs> like, hey, just be sure to set appropriate boundaries in all relationships. Exactly, as and you uh, mentioned.
0: Oh, so so let's go forward. I think we've answered your. I, we asked all your questions about your past. Let's go to now. So you're a speaker. You were on a TEDx last yep. year. Uh, uh, what? How did you get to that point in being on a TEDx? Because I'm about to sign up for Frank King's speaking program. Isn't he amazing? He's going to help help me get paid speaking gigs, Mm -hmm. speaking at colleges and on cruise ships and land a TEDx. So how did you get there?
2: So after I had gone through all of my healing and I'm not done, I'm still healing. I made the conscious decision that I need to get this message out there and so I, I joined a program, not Frank's, unfortunately, I had joined another program and didn't get very far with that program, but then contacted Ocala. And I happen to know people in Ocala and I know the TEDx curator. And I, I said, you know, I want to do this. I, I think it's necessary to do this and it's necessary to get this information out. And they said, absolutely. And I mean, I went through the same application process as everybody else and they, they accepted my application. So in a to- November of 2021, I did TEDxOcala with my talk, How a Conversation Can Save a Life.
1: And you can, find,
2: you can find that out on YouTube if you want to watch it, or you can go to my website, which is www.starttheconvo.net and it has the link yeah. to to my talk there and and one of the other things that i really started to understand from my healing process is i had no concept of gratitude i didn't want to be on this earth so there there was no concept of gratitude so I started a, a U, it's on my YouTube, not my YouTube channel yet. It's going on my YouTube channel, but it's going, it's on my Instagram, my TikTok and on my Facebook channels that I started a month's long gratitude journey. And it's, it's going to be wrapping up on the sixth, but it's still out there. Um, but it's every other day, it's another thing thing to think about to be grateful for i mean things things like colors what 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 color could you be grateful for um just stupid like ordinary things coming up with things to be grateful for so i'm just getting finished wrapping that one up but the next journey that i'm going to take it for everybody is a journey of self-love and how to find self-love and I think after that, we're going to find self-confidence. So I, I have a couple of things in the works. My whole program of and journey of gratitude is going to be going onto my YouTube channel. Awesome. Um, just got to figure it all out first. Uh, yeah, but it is out there on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. And all of my channels start with start the convo and it's either start the convo with Julie, start the convo with Julie McLean, uh, one or the, one or the other. So everybody can find me really easily. And there's links on my website for Facebook, Instagram.
0: Wow. Yeah. And also um sounds like you answered the question, which is what are your future goals and you have great, uh, those are great goals right there. Now, mm-hmm. Do you, have you done paid speaking? Do you hope to get paid speaking? Or?
2: I have done, a dabbled a little bit in paid speaking, but that's really where I want to go. My whole goal is to help organizational leaders get comfortable talking about mental health and talking about suicide prevention and and in general just being open to their teams and letting their teams be comfortable speaking up and saying, Hey, you know, I'm having, I'm struggling here. I need help because so many people are afraid in their organizations to let that be known. Uh, but that that's, I, I, if there's anybody out there who is part of an organization who has, you know, annual meetings or conferences and they want somebody to speak about suicide
0: prevention, I'm your girl. Yeah. (laughs) And now, um, real quick are you in a are you in play 100 or just play for out because i Mr. Joe right now joe mr always good and jenny trask they're incredible yeah and um i know with confidence that joe is given me great advice you know he's just not you know selling me just to sell stuff because he's recommending me that i sign up for flakes program over play 100 Mm -hmm. because is
2: wonderful because you're going to love frank
0: because play 100 is more speak to sell Mm -hmm. and he he sees me doing more paid speaking gigs such as at colleges and another another subject i want to speak about at colleges is i want the hazing and all the crap that goes on at fraternity houses i want it to come to an end because indeed that that causes mental health problems as well. Definitely, so I'm going to speak about that as well. I'm um, so I'm yeah. I know we're running on time, but um, I, I we only have a question. I have is just what's what message you want to leave overall to my listeners, and of course, Tyler. If you have any other questions, and indeed, I'll I'll let you take our customary ending as well. Uh, so yeah, what. What what what's the message you want to leave?
2: I, I'm going to go back to what Tyler said. We need to start taking care of each other. That's right. We need to be we need to look out for each other. We need to have empathy and sympathy for each other. We need to start noticing each other. And, and somewhere in the decades, we've lost that. And don't let so, each other down. Right, pay attention to each other, love each other. Stop comparing yourself with somebody else. Oh my God. Because you're
3: so much better.
0: No, I've been in there. When I was 24, (laughs) 25, honestly, when I was 24, I did go through some depression. I was not like suicidal or anything, but it it was the worst feeling of depression I've ever felt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I uh, I did go to counseling and talk about it. I was I was just confused, didn't know what to do with life, especially like finding a job. And I was I was doing that, you know, the worst thing imaginable, comparing myself to others. And no, right. no, 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 you should not do that.
2: You know, and stop worrying about what other people care about you because it's none of your business. Uh uh-uh.
0: exactly. no. uh. <laughs> um,
2: that, that was such a, a big eye opener for me. It's none of my business what anybody else thinks yeah. about me first.
0: And um, of course, so uh, today, do you have thoughts of suicide uh, or, or just or have you been completely set free? Do you? I'm not you... set
2: free. I, I have to deal with them every day. It's, you know, I try, but I, when I start getting those thoughts of, of suicide, I always turn around and look at what I'm grateful for nowadays, you know, and I'm grateful for people like you and Tyler who are giving me this opportunity to, to share with others.
0: Not to promote the act of suicide, but a lot of people who do it, they've heard it say that you won't go to heaven or you, 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 to your higher self, well, whatever you believe in. But I, I've heard it also say too, people who want to commit suicide, they don't. Of course, if you kill yourself intentionally just to do it, of course God may not call you to heaven. But if you in, if you in true pain and struggling, you know God or your higher self, whoever you believe in, they, they understand it, right, Tyler? What?
1: Well, I believe the only thing that will keep you from heaven is not believing in Jesus. That's what I believe as a Christian. Now, whether you believe that or not, that's, you know, whether anyone else on here believes that or not, that's between them and whoever they trust, you know, because I believe that, you know, here in America, you know, we have freedom of religion, not from religion, you know? So, yeah. So no, I don't believe suicide alone keeps you from heaven. I believe that rejection of, you know, what I, what I believe rejection of Jesus keeps you from heaven because that's what I believe. Yeah. So yeah, but I, I was going to say here, um, this podcast, we always say hope without sight. And a lot of people might be wondering, what does that mean exactly? Well, it's a metaphor. It's way beyond hope without vision. You know, it's way beyond hope without eyesight. It is a metaphor that says that there's a light at the end of the tunnel that says, doesn't matter where you come from in life where you've been, there's hope. There is hope despite the darkness, despite the unknown, despite all of it, despite all the challenges and struggles you may be facing. And so, yeah, that is what hope without sight is all about. It's way beyond just, oh, hope without being able to see. No, it's a metaphor. And I view this journey as a ministry because I can spread hope to others. And so, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Julie. Um, it's very inspirational what you've been through. Yes. And the one thing we always ask our our um, our um, our guests, what like what message would you provide our listeners who feel that. They don't have any hope.
2: The message that I would give is that, and I'm kind of going to use this platform to say this, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. Don't give up hope. No matter how bad things are, there's always tomorrow.
1: You're having a bad
2: day. You're not having a bad life. So remember, today is just one day out of your life. Take advantage of every single moment of it. And don't hesitate to reach out to somebody, no matter who it is, if you need to talk. I mean, I'm open to taking, if people want to just talk to me, I am not a therapist. I am not medically trained. But if somebody just needs somebody to listen, I'm there. Go ahead.
1: There Email you go. Me. Call,
2: call me up. I don't care. So
1: or let's say yeah. they don't. They're, let's say they're not having problems and they just want to talk to talk to get to know you more and yeah discuss.
2: Shoot me an email. Sports, we'll set up a whatever. virtual coffee yeah. and
1: there we you can go. chat. Yeah, there you go. Because it doesn't have to just be bad.
2: Yeah,
3: you
1: know. Yeah, and you know I believe therapy is not just for people who are going through struggles. Like oh, they're facing a bad situation. I think therapy can benefit every single person because Absolutely. all therapy really is is a form of feedback. It,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You think
1: about it, and it doesn't even have to be with medicine or any of that. No, it could just be taught therapy, which is a form of feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And even your own family can give you that. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um Julie,
0: um thank you so much for sharing your story and um as I told Kimberly Crowe, Joe, Mr. Always Good. And um, I like that name, by the way, Mr. Always Good. Um, <laughs> Jenny Trask. I'm so blessed that I found all of y'all. Y'all are a second family to us. Oh, fantastic. Amen. Amen.
1: Well, thank
2: you so much. I do appreciate the platform. And you guys are amazing.
1: And well, thank I- you. And I- also... Um, we have a radio station. If you want to tune in, we have one called real variety radio and it's on our website, realvarietyradio.com And you can also download the get me radio app and listen there as well. Yeah, definitely. But yeah.
2: Fantastic.
1: Yep. So there well, you go. Peace out everybody. Stay blessed.
0: Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Help Without Sight with Sailor Cooper and Tyler Evans and got a lot of takeaways from this podcast. We hope you feel renewed, inspired, and encouraged like you can just carry on and conquer the world. Please hit the
1: subscribe button on all platforms and tell your friends and family to do the same. And in the meantime, blessings to all.